Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, the show that brings together Michigan's top cannabis growers, advocates, and business owners to offer a fresh and honest perspective of Michigan's cannabis industry. Stick with us to get the lowdown from the people who have been on the ground floor of cannabis business in Michigan and gain insights into where the industry may be heading. Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast. This is Ryan Baser, your host, and today we are on episode 25 and we are excited to have Rick Thompson on. Uh, he was episode eight and now back for episode 25. We're going to be doing a year-end review, what, what we think about what happened in Michigan marijuana over the last year in criminal justice. And then Rick is also going to start off the show here in a second with his uh, Michigan Cannabis News, uh, which is an awesome segment that he's been doing. And you can catch, uh, you can hear it from Rick, but... Uh, something in 2021 I think we'll be seeing a lot of uh, keep everyone up to date so with that uh, I want to introduce my co-host as always Kevin at True Cannabis Kevin thanks for being on and happy new year thanks buddy happy new year to you as well hope you had a good Christmas I did and happy birthday to you uh, yesterday as well thank you sir and happy birthday to you tomorrow (laughs) thank you sir Uh, and then uh, Tom over at Real Leaf Tom happy new year gentlemen happy new year all right. And Rick Thompson, uh, just a quick introduction. Oh. That's fantastic. <laughs> Normally I have to do that for myself. So, uh, uh, so <laughs> Rick. Not touching that one. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, Rick, uh, we kind of uh, briefly, uh, episode eight, I know uh, everyone's uh, want to go back and listen to uh, the, the long history of uh, Rick Thompson. It could go on forever in Michigan marijuana. I met Rick uh, 11 years ago, basically, now, and uh, uh, been involved in a lot of the same same organization causes over the, over the year. And uh, I'm just excited to have Rick back on. And, uh, you know, 2021, here we are. It's uh, now we, I was, you know, we're saying 10 years, 10 years in Michigan. Now we're getting into the next decade. And what's the next 10 years in Michigan look like? Because the first 10 for me were quite wild and uh, fulfilling as well. So, Rick, uh, introduce yourself and let's do uh, this week's cannabis news and let's get into the year in review. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks very much for having me on today at Smoking Rope. I'm Rick Thompson. This is the Cannabis News broadcast on Smoking Rope today. Why don't we get right into it? You know, the cannabis industry loves Joe Biden's win as president of the United States of America. At least the cannabis business industry loves it. Prior to the election, the U.S. cannabis mergers and acquisitions market was drier than a Mike Pence joke. And investment capital was harder to find than Mitch McConnell's heart. But since the presidential race has been decided once and for all, the business industry is heated back up. Yahoo Finance reports $600 million in deals in just one single day. And the big news is, same old story, cannabis giants gobbling up in-state cannabis companies, most notably Air Industries grabbing some Florida and New Jersey retail outlets. And we've uh, reported on the cannabis news in the past about a Canadian merger that would make the planet's largest cannabis business entity. That's Tilray and Afria merging together. And that was announced on December 16. MJ Business Daily reports Altmed and Verano have planned a merger also announced since the election too. Verano, by the way, valued at $2.8 billion. Now, the industry likes stability in the leadership position, and the industry sees a Democratic presidency as a sign of normalcy returning to the White House, apparently. 
Now, speaking about that heartless tin man in the Senate, Mitch is on record as having opposed every effort at banking reform for the cannabis industry made in 2020. Now, that's three bills containing federal cannabis banking reform and them all passed by the U.S. House, none of them receiving a vote in the Senate. Mitch continued his multi-year jihad against the cannabis industry by blocking the pandemic relief package partially because of banking reforms for the cannabis industry, holding it up until they were removed. He even sent a press release to brag about the bill's lack of a cannabis component. Now, the USA has reported three straight quarters. The number of banks serving cannabis industry businesses has shrunk not grown. So more than just not wanting to acknowledge state legal cannabis industries, McConnell's, McConnell's also taken a stand against transparency. The Safe Banking Act included provisions requiring the USA to track how many businesses in the cannabis sector were owned by women or people of color. Well, that's a no-go per the current Senate Majority Leader who knows that diversity will be forced upon the industry if the true composition of its beneficiaries is known to all. Now, he referred to the banking reforms and transparency efforts as a left-wing wish list. Now, that comes regardless of the fact the Safe Banking Act had bipartisan support in the House and a bipartisan group of state treasurers earlier this year asked Congress to move on this issue, too. Now, 2021 might be more of the same, or it could be an entirely different ballgame. Come on, Georgia! You know... Let's talk about one more Washington, D.C. insider who knows nothing about the thing. That's Rand Paul. And for three years in a row now, he's bemoaned cannabis actions because he publishes a yearly list of grievances. Yeah, that list of grievances. The accomplished and well-known Kentucky senator follows the guidelines from the fictional Festivus celebration, which originated on the fictional Seinfeld show, where followers of the non-existent holiday get to run their mouths about everything that bothered him for the past 12 months. Rand Paul decided to take a shot at a $3 million cannabis study, and it's a use study from the San Francisco area looking at edible consumption by seniors in the Bay Area. Rand Paul wrote that researchers, quote, must not have spent a lot of time around people who love cannabis. You do not need to pay them to talk to seniors. Now, it may be true for other segments of society, but with senior citizens, they use cannabis despite a stigmatized view of marijuana, especially by their fellow seniors. Now, his last year comment on Mitch McConnell is priceless, though. Rand Paul described telling McConnell how hemp and cannabis are different. Mitch was very concerned that people could smoke hemp and get high. I told him, well, maybe, said Rand Paul, but it would have to be the size of a telephone pole. Rand Paul says, I think he's still confused. Speaking of McConnell, I think so too, Senator Paul. He's confused on many different things. And the last story of this year, 2021 may be the year of the cannabis regulator, if the CANRA organization has anything to say about it. Now, CANRA is the Cannabis Regulators Association, and yesterday they announced five more state cannabis program administrators are joining their group. That makes 24 state regulators in that group now, and more are likely to be added over the next year. The group includes MRA Director Brisbane as a vice president. In fact, he wrote in a press release yesterday, Canra's work identifying and developing best practices, the practices that safeguard public health and safety, and that they promote regulatory certainty for industry participants. Curious phrase. The group also announced the formation of 15 committees designed to pool experience and make recommendations for federal law reform in the cannabis sector. 
Now, consumer advocates like myself are concerned that people whose focus is protecting businesses shouldn't be formulating policy and procedure in the absence of cannabis consumer input, which is a frequent criticism leveled at the Marijuana Regulatory Agency here in Michigan. Well, 2021 is sure to be an interesting year for the cannabis sphere, regardless of how the planet deals with the pandemic crisis. This has been the Cannabis News on Smoke and Rope Podcast. Thanks for listening. Back to you, Ryan. All right. Thank you, Rick. Excellent, excellent. No, that's, uh, that's fantastic. It's, yep, I love listening to that every week. Uh, it's it's a great summary and a great update. And uh, keep it keep it going, man. Keep it going. It's a little so, sassy. Little sassy. Yeah, yeah. You. Barbecue sauce. Little spicy. Yeah. So, uh, Rick, if you if you if you'd like to start off, uh, I know you got a little bit of a, a list of things, uh, big news in the year of Michigan 2020. Uh, what do, what do you think's at the top of the list, or if you want to start uh, any way you want? Well, I think when we're in the state of Michigan, we talk about 2020. It's impossible to talk about the year without talking about the pandemic. But in relation to the way the cannabis industry is operated, being designated an essential industry was monstrous, not just monstrous for maintaining businesses and employment throughout the the growing industry, which could have really been just just gut punched if they had taken, uh, not given that that, uh, designation. But the fact that going forward, now the rest of Michigan realizes we're just exactly as important as, as healthcare workers and some of the other people that were designated as essential services too. Um, for an industry who was always struggling for legitimacy, even amongst people who who used but maybe used in the closet, man, that's that's the A plus rating from our teacher that we needed to take home on our report card to show mom and dad. I mean, that's the one thing that that I think will help to turn around a lot of people's attitude about cannabis going forward into 2021. Yeah, well, I'd like to hear from uh, Tom and Kevin uh, on that instance. You know, that both of these guys are growers, and uh, they were able to stay open and work and and keep building their businesses. And uh, you know, um, what's your what what was that like for you guys? Because you know, I'm sure it's scary at times, but then uh, you know, I'm extremely thankful of of what we've been able to do this year. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, you know. Um the one thing that I that I did notice is that, you know, for years and years and years when we were doing lobbying and we were trying to change change perception of the public, um, what we tried to do was associate our brand, our name, our association with other brands that are public you know, generally recognized. So we, 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 we tried our best when we went to fundraisers to get on the, the board with the other fundraisers. And so we'd be next to AT&T and Comcast or whatever and start to kind of become the norm. And, and this is just a perfect example of it actually happening and coming to fruition for us to be deemed essential workers. Um, no longer can anybody say much about the cannabis industry and its legitimacy. I mean, it's, it's been, it's the cat's out of the bag. And I think we're, we're making our way over that hump. Um, you know, for so many years we had resistance at every corner, uh, from other industries, from politicians. And I, I, to see this now happen, I, it's just absolutely, absolutely great. Yeah, it was really uh, frightening, actually, at first, when we were unsure if we would be deemed essential. We had stockpiles of cans, and we were going to be living here, you know, on the (laughs) farm, because, you know, the ladies need to drink every day. They need to eat, and they need the love. And so there were a few of us that were like, if we have to hunker down, we're going to hunker down. But luckily, we had that, uh, like you're saying, the legitimacy of, you know, at least they're seeing that we have 
you know, a very important job to do and it allowed us to grow where other industries were not you know we it where other people were laying people off we actually started um providing uh, full benefits medical benefits at the time of covid for our for our employees and really that kind of jump started that whole thing is like we need to make that n next jump we need to make sure that everyone's protected if something were to happen. So we're like, all right, let's bring in uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield. And they were great to work with. So, you know, that was really helpful for us and to give our employees a peace of mind, too. And, you know, everyone's super happy to, to be, you know, working during a time where, yeah, it might have been great to take home like 900 bucks a week. But when that runs out and you don't have a job, then it doesn't do you any good. You know, and for us, it was, you know, it was it saved our asses really and like you're saying that's it, legit it just legitimizes what we're doing absolutely and i know i'm extremely thankful for you know the opportunity to to build a business this year and, and to work and when other people haven't been able to i never take that for granted and uh but as far as like the getting more like named essential and like just more and more people um it's it's funny it's still happening like you know i've 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 had some 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 swings like uh you know i used to go to uh networking events in lansing and you know when i started all this and nobody wanted i was like the crazy marijuana guy and people knew it and i was an outcast now um you go to a, a networking event like say pre-covid especially just happening early in the year and you know everyone wants to talk to the marijuana guy now um about it and, and get in and get involved and then um, you know, I've, I've been kicked out of banks that we all have for many, many times for a decade now. And I got kicked out of a bank for selling to uh, a flipping a property to a marijuana business. And um, I got kicked out of Morgan Stanley. I got kicked out of E-Trade. And um, so that was all this year. But then, uh, you know, I had actually I had to give a shout out because I had, a, you know, something I'm a great experience for me this morning. I was uh, at Dart Bank and uh, was in there. I go uh, in the Frander location, and you know I'm I'm used to banks kicking me out and not wanting me, and uh, you know, and like you got to be quiet about marijuana. But they they were they were coming out and introducing themselves, and they you know a lot of the the Dart Bank uh, bankers listened to the show. So thanks, guys. Uh, you know that was that was cool. It's uh, that's part of becoming essential and. Uh, uh, having uh, having businesses like that embrace cannabis so that's uh yeah, nicole and her team at dart bank are awesome man they've yep. really been helpful to us for sure yep nope thanks but one of the things we're going to see as a challenge going forward into 2021 it's probably the 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 worst story from 2020 and that's the number of municipalities willing to accept new cannabis businesses uh, we interviewed director briswell on my my show 420 post uh, just two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and he said there are only 85 municipalities currently accepting adult use businesses in the state of Michigan, and there are more than 1,700 municipalities in the state. So being deemed an essential service should go a long way towards making some of those, those council members who are sort of waffling, maybe they will, maybe they won't, being an essential service as dictated by the governor, I think that helps to lend legitimacy to our efforts. And perhaps 2021 will be easier of a, of a year for us to have convincing new communities to open up their doors to our industries. I think you're right, Rick. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing it. There's, there, you know, there was just an election, too. So there was a lot of different uh, townships and municipalities that had, uh, you know, some turnover. 
and you know like people are gonna like the the budgets the the you know the it's gonna it's gonna come a calling where all right time to balance your budget and you know there's a lot of, of different uh you know revenue streams that some of these municipalities are not going to get because of covid or they're gonna be a lot smaller so i think there's gonna be a lot more i think you're gonna we're gonna see it uh I think we see it at least double this year, if not if not more than that. But, um, that's a guess, but I think uh, I know of some that are previously I would have said never super conservative that have new people in there and considering it. So um, yeah, it'd be be good. Needs to be more. The whole process of creating ordinance law has been inhibited in 2020 because we can't get it uh, together for normal city council or planning and zoning meetings. Things have gone virtual. Some meetings have just been completely canceled because it's impossible for them to do the tech to get it right and still be in compliance with the Open Meetings yeah. Act. So it, I think that there would have been more in 2020 coming to our side Agreed. if things had all been equal. Now, if things get better in 2021, the way that we're all anticipating that they will, I think maybe a cork pops off the champagne bottle, so to speak, especially if those checks start coming out the first of 2021. And I'm not talking about pandemic checks. I'm talking about the payments from the marijuana regulatory agency on the funds that were collected from taxation, right? So you get mm -hmm. the percent tax it's divided up amongst different things including the municipalities who get a piece of it once that starts coming in and people see that this is a real revenue generator not just something people have been talking about i think that makes a big difference too well i think uh yeah. i think 2021 we're also going to see the year of the ballot initiative um we've already saw it in uh in the in livingston county where i live uh they they targeted pinckney strategically because of its uh voting record on marijuana and uh, they got that successfully uh, through. Uh, and, and then these lawyers are, are working strategically through these counties. So they're, they're targeting an area. They know that as soon as Pinckney is approved, that that's going to have a domino effect across the county. Um, they're not going to allow Little Pinckney to be the only one that generates revenue for marijuana sales. So we'll, I, I think that that's going to that's going to be a big factor as well. Um, but we'll have to see how this rolls out with COVID. You know, um, I don't think that collecting ballot signatures door to door is going to be an option, or, or collecting them, you know, at events like we have in the past. So uh, I, I could see there being a potential for some kind of rule change on that. I'm not I'm not sure what, what they're going to do moving forward, but uh, that ought to be interesting to pay attention to. Yeah, there needs to be a push for educating municipalities. We've talked about this a few times, but I think there's a lot of misinformation out there exactly how this money's distributed back, especially now since everything was written, a lot of ordinances were written based upon the MMFLA law that, that's changed now with the MRTMA law has changed how it's divided up. It's not divided up with just the sheer number of cannabis businesses you have. It's based upon retailers Retail. now. So just allowing all grows in your municipality, you're not going to see that money in, you know, and it's I think there needs to be, you know, more discourse and more, you know, conversations happening that, you know, hey, this is you know, maybe we're going to guide people and make make a smarter ordinance, you know, and you know, hopefully with like with uh, what Director Brisbow is doing. And I know there are a few other private um, companies that are going around trying to help people understand you know what's happening and how to actually draw up an ordinance that makes sense that you're gonna you're gonna benefit and and keep and at the same time balancing a healthy industry mm -hmm. 
for some of our viewers who may not know, uh, when the MMFLA program was created, uh, it created a tax which would have benefited local communities. And then when we initiated the legalization proposal, the MRTMA, uh, that did away with that medical tax. So now at this point, communities that have medical marijuana MMFLA only facilities are not really receiving any revenue back through the taxation model. Uh, <coughs> it's one of the reasons why we, we wanted to encourage people to go to the MRTMA program. One of the reasons that the townships are so confused is because of the uh, the Townships Association. Uh, for a long yeah, time, the Michigan Jesus. Townships Association went around and convinced communities that they did not want these businesses there, that they were nothing but trouble, that the selection process was bad, that the money wasn't really there to, to, to return your invested time. Uh, and a lot of people took that to heart. Now the Michigan Townships Association seems to be switching their tune a little bit. Hmm. And maybe we have some additional help from that corner. Yeah, we've been battling the Townships Association, the Municipal League, the PAM for all these years. Just it's been it's been pretty wild watching uh, how when you hear oh Townships Association, they have the townships' best interest at heart, and you think no, it's just a completely political agenda-driven thing. Which I as I guess I'm understanding that's that's the way it works now. But for a while there, just from the outside looking in. Um, you know, it was it was just kind of it was disheartening to see these guys lying, just like the prosecutors' association. <laughs> it's it's interesting that um, until you really look at politics from the inside out, that you would have, be unaware of these these associations. And it's to me, it's it's counterintuitive to what is supposed to happen with the process. Uh, to me, when you're in an elected position that is for enforcing rules or or being a voice of the people, you shouldn't be out lobbying for things like that to me where are you getting your funding from to lobby um you know the police the, the state the state police the uh the county sheriff's association they have full-time lobbyists in lansing lobbying their objectives all day every day how does that happen you know um you know so i think it's really interesting i had a phone call uh and i and i bought one of those stickers one time you know the county sheriff and you, know, you put it on the back of your car that you supported the sheriff's association yeah, so you and don't the get next, pulled over yeah so i don't get pulled over and then the next year they called and i got to thinking and i thought you know uh, I'm going to ask them, do they give political contributions? You know, because I'm, I'm interested. Am I giving money to, to this fund that's supposed to be like help fallen officers? And do they actually give, you know, political contributions? And as it turned out, they did. And that's when I stopped my contribution to the Police Officers Association when it came to, because they pitch it as it's for fallen soldiers and to help families and all this stuff like that. But the reality is it's a political fund uh, to, to basically lobby against what we do. So, you know, interesting things. I'll say that in that interview I mentioned with Director Brisbane from a couple weeks ago, he did say that the MRA was going to try and help municipalities by coming up with several, uh, let's call them sample ordinances or draft ordinances that they could put forth to different communities that would allow them to em embrace, you know, either just retailers or, or the full spectrum of, of, of retail of uh, regulated facilities. Um, I'm, I'm encouraged by that. I'd like to see the MRA actually try and help some of these communities come to the right place because they're the, the recognized authority on the subject matter. So for yeah, them to remain uh, silent about this was really odd all that time. Yeah, and to avoid all those lawsuits with all these just crazy ordinances like Traverse City and Acme and East Warren. Lansing and Warren. And, yeah, Meridian Township. There's just, you know, like just like and then even Lansing, like uh like to over overdo it you know there, there's a simple guideline and then the state sets the rules it's pretty simple um but 
Uh, Too yeah. many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, everyone's got to feel important. <laughs> the other thing is we're dealing with a situation here in Michigan, which is recognized as one of the most corrupt in the United States of America, especially when you talk about the, the state legislature. I'm not just spouting off. This is verified, and you can check it out on CNN or Wall Street Journal if you'd like. Um, and local communities are just as bad. So you have somebody who knows somebody who, who can make a meeting with somebody and you have pancakes and coffee and all of a sudden you're the only guy in town that's going to get a license because you talk to the right guy. Well, that's not proper process and that's not the way things are supposed to go. So when communities like Warren do stuff like that, they get sued. So, I mean, sometimes cities and they fall into their own traps. We can't let we can't, you know can't let them escape responsibility for being uh, being bad at the business of running a city. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. What, uh, you know, uh, was a lot, uh, there's a lot of big wins for marijuana in 2020 nationally. Uh, something I uh, wanted to talk about too, Rick. What's, uh, what do you think, uh, you know, give us a little breakdown on that. Uh, I know Montana, um, was it uh, South Dakota? Uh, now it's been a while. Arizona, uh, and then Mississippi went medical. Yeah, Mississippi went medical, but they had to, they had to, to vote twice with a yes in order to get one medical program. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so moving forward with that, I mean, that was huge and more wins, more wins, uh, teaching the public that, uh, cannabis is a winning issue. And, uh, um, also a lot of, uh, a lot of wins in criminal justice reform as well. Uh, you know, Michael Thompson just got, um, uh, his clemency and he's going to be getting it out. We just talked about that. And, um, just as far as the, uh, the expungement bill in Michigan, and it just seems like uh, all over the country now people are backing it uh, completely. It's real exciting. Well, if you look at the MORE Act, uh, M-O-R-E, the E in the MORE Act was expungement. So this is a, a MORE Act was passed by the United States House of Representatives, and it's historic for many reasons, one of which is that it actually calls for the complete descheduling of cannabis, the removal of cannabis from the Controlled Substances Act, and that's an entire House of Congress that said that's a good idea. First time ever that that's happened. But to in embrace the concept of expungement on a statewide level, I've been a couple brave places have done it but to do that federally that would be big that would be really big because that would require states that don't want cannabis businesses to still have people whose whose damaged lives were being repaired uh, even though their local state legislature might not uh, think that that's valuable so we can we can exceed some of the hurdles that we see on a statewide level by doing things federally but we have to be careful because the MORE Act also eliminates people from the cannabis industry federally that should be protected and respected. So I, I, I just hate to say it, it's almost like we have a chocolate covering on a bitter pill every single time when it comes out of a legislature, every time. It, it is, it is, yeah, that's, oh man. Um, you know, thinking about uh, um, the market this year and what we've seen in Michigan and uh, from the start of it, uh, you know, I tried to launch and was stymied by the, the pandemic and uh, I had a factory, my packaging was coming out of Wuhan and, uh, you know, tried to beat Chinese New Year and next thing you know, it took me till June and I watched it involved in six very short months from, you know, everyone taking as much as they can at a time. 
uh, and uh, easy easy to sell and to the point where we just felt it over the last month and a half where it's becoming a pretty uh, you know regular supply chain so many new growers are in it so uh, really interesting to watch I feel real grateful to get in when I did and uh, to, to learn with these guys here and uh, Drew and uh, Sam as well um, but what uh, I'd like the perspective from uh, especially Tom starting off like You've been uh, you've been in the industry uh, selling for a while, so is Kevin. But uh, like, what's it been like with uh, riding that wave and watching that progress? Oh, it's it's been wild, man. Uh, you know, our I think I mentioned last week that we our pro forma was based upon half of what we were easily able to get for our flour, and then even then we could have charged a thousand dollars more a pound, but we didn't, and. Uh, you know that was just the beginning of this massive um you know supply shortage that we saw at the very beginning and you know like we said last week the the people that played the the stupid game of trying to charge way too much and take advantage of people while the supply was low and you're starting to see the effects of that now as prices start to level off and you seek level where it makes sense all around uh it's just been a wild ride and you know playing the long game does pay off i mean you don't this isn't a get rich quick scheme you know this is about you know providing a quality flower for people for medicine first and foremost even before it went wreck you know and this was uh you know people charging four to five thousand dollars a pound which is just insane and yeah and you know we we were able as a company to maintain relationships and keep a you know very nice you know very nice price which allowed us to reinvest as a mom and pop company that's very important to have that that flow going without having to borrow so it was uh you know it, it it's just wild but i'm glad i'd like to see some stability kind of happen here in 2021 uh it's kind of hard to make predictions and and plan things without knowing you know at least where the where is the you know where is the level where is the, uh, the middle ground here so but it yeah it's crazy I mean, 2020 was was wild 2021 i'm hoping for more sensibility and uh you know maybe everyone could chill out a little bit and uh you know and things get a little some somewhat normal <laughs> what was it like for you kevin you know, uh, the year in general has been an up and down year. Um, we, we cut a little bit of slack, just like Tom said, by actually the, the COVID situation. Um, you know, I only have, I have a small company and I only have four employees. And so um, we were chasing our tail and we've been chasing our tail for a long, hard amount of time. And so to, to kind of have the calls stop coming in from, you know, solicitors and people wanting to have meetings and doing political stuff and all that stuff and just be able to focus on the garden and the business. That was, mm-hmm. that was great. It, it, it actually helped a, a ton. Um, we did have uh, a couple of break-ins this year um, and, you know, those set us back a little bit, but, um, you know, there's always a silver lining in everything. And um, there were definitely some silver linings in those break-ins. They didn't really get away with much uh, that was valuable in, in our, our alarm systems and cameras and you know uh, security and, and and the police responded in a great time and, and it, it so it worked out great but um you know this year's been an up and down year and but i'm, I'm really looking forward to 2020 or 2021 we're, we're 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 poised to make some really good moves this year so super excited yeah. for that 
Yep. Having the, the police as an option to call, you know, yeah. it's just wild to me, right? Yeah, Tom, I got to tell you, you know, um, <laughs> even before um, we were we were licensed, we had some break-ins and we had to have interactions with uh, the Lansing police. And I got to tell you, from day one, the, the guys have been great. They've never been biased towards us. They've never given us a hard time. They've always kind of just let us be and, um, and, and worked with us. So we can't be more thankful to be in a community where we do have that support. Yeah, we're in the same situation up in Kalkaska. But Lansing's been used to cannabis for some time now. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. For yeah, a long yeah. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As we all know, all know, Kevin, I mean, Tom used to be down in the Lansing area, and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Rick as well. Now I'm excited for Kevin, too, watching uh, a year, and then, you know, uh, you guys, you bootstrapped it and uh, done it without uh, the opposite model of what we're seeing a lot of. Uh, these companies in Michigan do and uh, you know um, not taking on debt and almost there with your processing and your new uh, Class C so it's exciting could be a a big year um, for all of us Uh, so that was uh, that was fun to watch that and Rick what about you Uh, what's it like uh, watching the market from from your point of view and uh, I guess let's just start talking about our years a little bit if you'd like uh, you know reflect on it and uh, what we're kind of happy thankful for and Uh, go from there. Well, let me just throw out a statistic. Uh, That interview with Director Brisbane, he revealed there's about 440,000 cannabis plants in the system here in Michigan in the regulated market at any given time. So when you start talking about that volume of plants, uh, then supply is definitely a concern, whether there's stability in the supply chain. We talked about only 85 communities that have said yes to recreational facilities. Saying yes doesn't mean that you open your doors the very next day. There's build outs, there's a delay and lag time. So it, it's a real concern. When I look at the, the national and international markets, I'm I'm incredibly impressed by the international market and I'm kind of saddened by our national market. Here in the United States, we, we are losing ground internationally to, to, in my personal opinion, lesser nations that, that should not be gaining economic advantage over us in an industry essentially that that we created, that we we have revolutionized. So uh, I'm I'm wishful that we're able to to do more uh, like other nations have been. But by the same token, I mean there's nobody that that does things the way that we do here in America. We've got 50 different states. We've got four different territories. Uh, there's a lot of different plans going on out there. And one of the things I get excited about is watching the different proposals coming up from individual states. Expungement on a federal level. Expungement in Illinois was so easy. The governor yeah. with the stroke of a pen, what what was it? Thousands of people, Ryan. Thousands. Yep. Yeah. No. You know? And that's and that's big. And actually, I, that's what I was thinking about that earlier. Sorry to interrupt. Like expungement at the federal level would be so huge because the only thing we have for us with federal felonies is presidential pardons, uh, which my, my new friend Weldon Angelo's got the other day. And I'm going trying to get one as hard as I can. We'll see, um, but uh, you never know. But, yeah, no, but, but good point, Rick. I wanted to bring that up. Thank you. No, you're. you're thanks for saying that. Uh, and I also see, you know, problems in other states uh, that we don't have here in Michigan. In California, they have a problem with uh, with pirate grows on national forests and and erosion issues that are taking place on public lands that we don't have here in Michigan. So yeah. when I when I look at at how other places are solving their own unique problems it gives me an insight as to what we could be doing here and and whether we are doing a pretty good job or whether we could be doing better and i think in some cases it's a bit of both i think we're doing okay we're an industry leader but 
we could also be a little bit more compassionate in the way that we decide rules. Tom, how was your year, man? Just reflect a little bit, uh, you know. Good uh, living up, at, up there in the woods with your with your great family uh, and running a business. It's a dream come true, man. I live in paradise. I, we get to cultivate cannabis all day. Everyone's happy. Everybody loves their job. And, you know, we're just a big family, you know. You know, COVID aside and all of the stuff that's gone along with that. But, yeah, it's been a truly a blessing. Truly a blessing. We were talking about really quick. I want a side note really quick. Um, we were talking about other countries. Rick, you were talking about other countries. Um, one thing I don't know if anybody noticed uh, was the uh, merger or partnership of Pincana and what is it? Tikin Ulam, the, the Israeli company. If anyone's mm-hmm. aware of that, that's kind of like an international type cannabis deal, like partnership that's. Uh, kind of seems like it's snuck under the radar in some regards but uh it's really interesting to, to see that in israel yeah. if, if people don't know has been a cannabis leader in the world they were they've been first in the world on um medical research and actually they have more per um more licensed medical patients per capita than any country in the world uh, so that's really exciting to see but it also is signaling some kind of strange i don't know what the exact details are behind it i'm not even going to speculate but <laughs> it just it, it's definitely signals a really interesting shift in things where people are starting to partner up there have been a few mergers already with bigger companies and transport and things like that so you know moving on to 2021 i think that's what you're going to keep an eye out for these people coming in and trying to trying to snatch up their fair share of the market or not their fair share but just their share yeah. As just, much as they can shove in their greedy little face holes. Right. <laughs> right. That that made me think of uh, just uh, the last year with, uh, with with different brands that have come in uh, with hit and misses. We all have our own brands that we're you know that we that we're that we're proud of and we work hard for them and we you know we feel like they are authentic. And then we've seen uh, you know other brands do a lot of. Uh, whether it be the beginning of the year or uh, with uh, with uh, Green Peak out there uh, spending three hundred grand uh, on billboards uh, attacking caregivers and dangerous medicine, um, that wasn't good for the brand. Uh, but we're also seeing celebrity brands, and I was just on a show with Rick uh, four twenty post with Darren McCarty, and you know Darren's a brand that and is uh, people are, are behind and uh, excited about because Darren lives it and believes in it. And, uh, you know, he's definitely one of us. And uh, um, then we're seeing other brands that are, um, you know, like coming in $70.8 with fancy packaging. And then we find out who grew it. So really interesting. I think this 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 coming year is where brands will uh, uh, definitely make a bigger impact. And we'll see a lot of try and a a lot of, I'm sure, fail as well. But uh, what's... uh, you know, what do you think, Rick? Uh, you've been watching it, and you, you've been watching all the brands. And uh, what's what's your take on the brands this year? Well, old wheezy and little cheesy. That nobody's <laughs> buying their stuff. I mean, come on. When you're talking about uh, celebrity performers, there are very few people whose name is recognized across all socioeconomic 
comparables and in, in, in all demographic statistics. Tommy Chong is a name. John Sinclair, to a certain degree, is a name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darren McCarty and Ryan Basor. There are not a whole lot of people in Michigan that can claim that they have an appeal to all age groups. And when young rappers come in, uh, I think there's an expectation on the part of the cultivators that they can they can really demand a much higher price for that cannabis. But when it comes down to it, if the name doesn't mean anything to you, it's about the quality of the product itself. And I think Ryan's point was some of these high name individuals may be making alliances with people who don't necessarily produce the highest quality product and therefore their brand will suffer. Uh, I think that's one of the beauties of redemption cannabis is that with the, the team that you've got behind you there, Ryan, you, you just really can't go wrong because those people know what the hell they're doing, right? Exactly. Yeah, they do all the hard work. So that was that was the idea. Um, you know, just look at it uh, in in Lansing, um, for example, uh, at the Botanical Lansing. There's a there's a there's a garlic juice rec eighth uh, for thirty five dollars, grown by Real Leaf Solutions. Is special. Now that's that's awesome. Uh, you know, people are buying that like crazy because uh, and. Um, down the road, there's the uh, the you know the DNA by Skymit uh, that's at seventy dollars for an eighth, and I you know put put that up above that on anything. So it's just interesting watching Lansing. We all know the Lansing market, and and watching new people come in. And uh, Kevin, what are you thinking about as far as some of those some of those brands and uh, what you're what you're uh, thinking of the future with yours? So what's running through my head right now is that you know I don't know if the marijuana market's going to support national brands in the sense that we know it. You know, Budweiser, that took a long time for that to come to fruition and to, and to, to come to that. And I think that the market has already dictated that people are tired of that garbage. And that's why we've seen microbreweries pop up and, and thrive so well. People love the microbrewery model. They love the idea of getting something exclusive. Um, and so the marijuana industry actually started the exact opposite. It started off as craft and, 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 and it is exclusive. And now you've got these big companies that want to make a na- national brand and have it under one brand canopy. And people realize that there's no way that it all could be grown the exact same way. It's not chocolate. It's not beer where it's like you can brew it to the exact same recipe every single time. It's marijuana and marijuana grows differently every single time you grow it. And it's so many factors on, on how it grows. So um, I, I don't know that we'll ever see huge national brands be ultra successful. Um, I think it could be a recipe for disaster. Um, I like the small craft brand idea. I think it's it's great. I, and I think that uh, this industry can thrive that way. Um, that's what we're going to continue to do is to try to produce a product that's superior to uh, what is mass produced and uh, and hope that our product just uh, speaks for itself and uh, and people will recognize. So just that's don't forget one of the ways that Budweiser got big is through corporate espionage and taking out some of their competitors. So yeah. that's the model that that a lot of these big big guys think they can do in, in espionage through the legislature is yeah. the way things happen in Michigan. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've actually, you know, I've been, I've been somewhat impressed to be honest with you. I've been in this process though, you know, for the, from, from, you know, basically 2008 on, you know, working to try to get some, some language, but, um, you know, as, as weird as it sounds, because I know the statistics that you talked about, about the state being, um, one of the most corrupt political states based on the way that the voting patterns are of the, of the, of the, the people in, in power. Uh, but 
honestly, through this marijuana thing, it's been relatively transparent, you know, and as far as in comparison to what I saw in Colorado. In Colorado, they had these these stupid lottery ping pong ball things where, you know, like the big guys got 200 balls and like someone like me would have got one. So there would have been no way in hell I would have got up to be able to participate in that in that system. But here it's it's been like it's been pretty good as much as I complain about it. Sometimes I think it's it's been really kind of good. And, and I think once they've we been got, fairly transparent. We got rid of the board. Yeah, and they Once. continue to try to slip stuff in all the time, but it's like it's almost like they're afraid of getting caught. So as soon as there's like words or rumblings of that there's a problem, they kind of just immediately back off. So yeah, I don't know, it, it, you know. And that's that's something that we're gonna be you know big news for 2021 is the merging of the acts. Uh, if it happens, what's it look like? What kind of shenanigans are uh, are. Uh, uh, these guys going to be playing, uh, you know, there's rumblings of right now. We know there's people wanting to cap the state grows. Um, there's people that want to go after, say, caregivers, hire enough lobbyists uh, to get that passed. And there's no way, like, they're newbies if you think that's going to happen. That's not happening. Uh, well, there's uh, talk of eliminating guess. caregivers altogether. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's and that, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that's a super majority, and you know, right. like, go, go ahead and I'm sure there's lobbyists telling you they can get that done for you. But uh, good luck, uh, and then uh, you know, and and or just trying to funnel more money uh, and get more money to the police, the black market task force. So uh, doing it every which way, but uh, outperforming uh, the, the market and doing a good product. So. I mentioned, uh, you know, there's great flour now in Lansing, uh, uh, in different stores at, at reasonable prices, and uh, other stores aren't taking heed. But uh, that's how you uh, compete with the illicit market. Um, that's how you do it, and I think we're going to see that increase sales in Michigan, prices coming down, more people coming in, and that's always what we've always dreamed about seeing. Uh, that's the right way to do it, and the only way you can do it. That's what history's prevailed. So. Um, you know, wanted to kind of wrap things up here. Uh, we could talk about this for hours, of course, but uh, um, only got into a few subjects. But uh, you know, we'll we'll keep it going. Uh, Tom over at Real Leaf, uh, you know, any any uh, final thoughts for the year? Well, I'm thinking I'm going to challenge Rand Paul to a feat of strength and do some Indian leg wrestling, <laughs> and we'll see what happens there. Uh, no, uh, the, you know, just. I'm excited to see what the future holds, man. As always, I'm cautiously optimistic, you know, and I know that, what well, you know, you just stay on the righteous path with it and uh, your intentions will will prevail. So, and uh, thank you so much for everything. It's been a great year. It's been awesome partnering with you, Ryan and, and Kevin and Rick. It's always so good to see you and have a chance to chat and your wisdom goes beyond what, uh, it just blows my mind every time. I love it, and I look forward to speaking to you guys again next week. Right. Next Thanks. year. Yeah. 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 Kevin. Yeah, I just want to, uh, you know, thank Rick for being on again. It's always uh, great to have you on the show. Great to chat it up with you. Your wealth of knowledge, like Tom said, and, and uh, your activism is greatly appreciated. Um, also, Ryan, uh, great working with you, Tom. Great working with you this year. Um, I know we're going to have some really cool things coming out um, as we work with Drew and and uh, and, and get these these things coming. Uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun this year. So I, I want to wish you guys all a happy new year. Uh, stay safe. Be healthy. Uh, and, and hope for a prosperous one coming up. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Happy New Year. 
Rick, thank you for being on, man. What uh, what do you got going on for New Year's, and what, what do you? I mean, what do you plan in next year here? Well, you know, next year is going to be a recovery year for a lot of us. We're going to try and put our life back together after COVID's kind of ripped it apart. And uh, I was a conference guy, Michigan Cannabis Business yeah. Development Group conferences. I did uh, three to four a year, and hopefully, I'll be able to restart that. But if not, the journalism thing. Um, my entrepreneurial activities, maybe start another magazine. I've done that before. The future is so bright, I gotta wear shades. <laughs> the fact is, though, I'm, I'm just really impressed. I thought you were going to put them on. Well, I, I had them on the other broadcast, but I didn't bring yeah. them for this one. Sorry about right. that. But, uh, the fact is, I'm just I'm so excited about the fact that access for cannabis. Ah, that's Those are Tom. Nice, Tom. Tom yeah. got him. Access for cannabis is, is available for more Americans, and I think that's better for our health and wellness. I think it's better for our tolerance of each other, and I think substituting alcohol with a safer substance that doesn't result in death or addiction is a smart move for the, for the world, and I'm happy that we're part of that. Congratulations to all of you. Thanks. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, Rick. Thanks for thanks for being on. Thanks, and, Rick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks for being on. And then, of course, thanks, uh, Tom and Kevin. What a year, um, you know. Uh, and then, you know, doing this podcast, we decided to do it. And now it's 25 weeks in a row, a uh, couple times uh, in pretty rough conditions, but we pulled through. And, uh, you know, it's been fun to get the feedback from everybody uh, out there that's that's been listening. I find it's really just uh, kind of developed into an, an in Michigan industry podcast uh, that people in the industry or want to get in it or um, are listening to. And just like at Dart Bank today and uh, the guys over at Mainer uh, and, um, you know, some of the different license holders that reach out, it's 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 cool. So. I thank everyone for for uh, for listening on that, and we've got some. We're going to try to make it better next year, and continue to have these great guests. Uh, and then, as far as everything else, uh, I'm really excited about all the criminal justice reform that's uh, that's starting to happen in the, in the country and in the state. And um, you know, I think 2021 is going to be a giant giant year for that. Uh, um, it's it's like we've talked about. It's bipartisan. And then uh, for business as well, I'm I'm eternally grateful. It's been a great year, and uh, I'm going to be expanding with the help of people like these guys. And um, I'm going to end up having some help before too long. And uh, um, you know, the sky's the limit. So uh, you know, we just made it through the first decade of of Michigan marijuana. If you count 2010 when I get in it, I guess that's when I start counting the industry for me. And uh, we're on to the next 10 years, so I cannot imagine what it's going to look like uh, 10 years from now. So it's going to be a fun ride. So thanks, everybody. Thanks for the great year, and uh, see you next week. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year, fellas. The Smoke and Rope Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Ryan Basor, the owner of Redemption Cannabis. Have ideas for episode topics or would like to be a guest on the show? Contact us at ryanb at redemptioncana.com. Thanks for being along for the journey.